and welcome to episode 892 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by our Patreon supporters and the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I am Ben Lindberg of 538, joined by Sam Miller of Baseball Prospectus. Hello, Sam. Hey, We are joined today by a man who needs no introduction, although he usually provides his own of considerable length. Carson Sestuli, a writer for Fangraphs and the host of Fangraphs Audio. Hello, I didn't say I didn't, I didn't know you had that. You had that little line. You that's was that spontaneous? Was that improvised? No, that is actually written on a written, page before me. Written material. Well done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, I just want to note that there's a. I don't know if you and I have talked about this, Carson, but uh, Carson, of course, most people uh, know by checking his Wikipedia page, is also a uh, published poet. Yeah. And, uh, he is. Uh, he has. Uh, he is published alongside Pulitzer Prize-winning poets uh, in in a uh, in a journal called Smartish Pace, uh, which is founded and edited by my boss at Baseball Prospectus, Stefan Reichert. And uh, oh. I I love this poem. I don't. I, I I don't know if I've told you that, but it's called "Young People Will Have White Hair," yeah. and it's a an absolute delight of a poem. My favorite uh, line is. The hurricane caused a benefit concert. <laughs> I, I can enjoy that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So anyway, uh, worlds are colliding. I did not. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, uh, Stefan. I don't. I've never met, but uh, he was very kind about it and reached out. And that was. I think that was before he was ever at, uh, to any degree affiliated with Baseball Prospectus. But that wouldn't, have, of course, changed my opinion about him. He made it easy mm-hmm. for me. Is my point. I appreciate it. So we've had you on today not only to compliment your poetry, but to discuss your recently completed broadcaster rankings, your crowdsourced broadcaster rankings, television broadcaster rankings, I should say. You are about to embark on your radio rankings. And this is the second time you've done this, right? But you haven't done it in some years, four years. So you thought it prudent to update these rankings so that you could provide the most accurate scores to your readers. And so you have all the rankings for every broadcast team. It's 32 because some teams have just away or home teams. And we will link to all the results, but we want to discuss them a little bit. So I think maybe what I'm most curious about is whether there were any evaluations that were dramatically different of broadcasters who were included in both samples. Was there anyone who took a great leap who who did the broadcaster equivalent of adding a new pitch or adopting a new stance or became better in some marked way? Yeah, well, one of the ones that uh, certainly changed uh, was the Houston Astros. And it was it was the, the reverse. It was the uh, the decline. But at some yeah. level, it was because it has uh, that had a lot to do with Jim Deshaies, who yeah. I think was was beloved both for his openness to analytics and also a sense of humor it was beloved as Houston Astros color broadcaster. And I should note that was the first time I did it four years ago. That was the biggest surprise to me. The Astros were at a point in their history that was not uh, they were not at the peak of uh, of that history in terms of playing so for a neutral fan there was not really any reason to watch Astros games but then it became clear pretty quickly that um, from from conducting this this crowdsourcing effort that people really liked the television broadcast in Houston um, and so now Jim Deshaies joining Len Casper in Chicago uh, for the Cubs of course Casper was already probably uh, certainly among play-by-play Broadcaster is probably one of the most uh, progressive uh, in terms of uh, baseball analysis. And so to have the two of them united, not surprising that they finished, I believe, uh, fourth this time around. 
So if you were to conduct this survey more frequently, in theory, you could develop an individual broadcaster ranking based on sort of a with or without you model where someone is good with deshaies and bad without deshaies and therefore the difference is deshaies yeah although, although maybe there aren't enough changes to do that well they don't there's not a ton of turnover the other thing i'd say is that i think people still really enjoy bill brown uh, who is the the play-by-play man still in houston so i don't think it's really it's not it's not designed to cast aspersions on anyone and i should really note and i would definitely stress and i hope i stressed it sufficiently in all of the posts uh, leading up to to the final sort of master table was this is not intended to be an objective assessment of broadcasters. It is meant really as a guide for the sort of people who would read fan graphs with some frequency so that they might know which broadcasters appeal to the readership there. And I think probably certainly the same sort of people, that people who read baseball prospectus, who read 538's baseball content would probably be largely the same boot. But you're looking for someone who, if not necessarily exhibits a facility with advanced metrics is at least attempting to ask questions and answer them intelligently. That's really that's really the goal. I'm curious if you get the feeling that uh, there is a set of attributes that the top broadcasters display that is looked at sort of in a systematic way by the uh, by the voters and that theoretically you could design a perfect broadcaster who would appeal to, to these voters in a uh, perfect way. Or if you think that like 90% of the voting is basically just done on the basis of whether a guy sounds like a good dude and whether he or she, are there any female TV broadcasters at this point? There are not. There are, there are a number of sort of sideline type reporters. Mm-hmm. Um, in a couple, in a couple of markets, readers responded by suggesting that it, given the people who were in the booth, it might make sense to allow the, the woman who's at this point, yeah, I don't know. I'm not gonna say relegated to the sidelines, but that's that she's employed in that capacity. Then it might make sense to give to give some some chances to women because yes. I think there are a number of cases. At least again, this is per the Fangraphs readers, uh, where there's a sense that there's not a lot of value added by the people who are broadcasting. And in fact, I and I and I'm not afraid to cite this, but I do know that, uh, for example, with regard to the the Atlanta television booth, which is Chip Carey and Joe, Sim- Joe Simpson, there does seem to be some active antagonism against advanced metrics, which I think is the was the trait that when it was displayed by broadcasters was the one that was most likely to get them a bad grade, was the active antagonism. Okay, so, uh, I, yeah, so you kind of answered it, but I, I, I guess my question is if it sort of comes down to the uh, what, what people used to talk about when George W. Bush was elected, that, <laughs> that he passes the have a beer with him test uh-huh. more than anything else, that, that ultimately when we vote... We're not really looking at policies. We're looking at some combination of tribalism and is this somebody that you would want to hang out with? And that, yeah, I guess, I guess that's sort of what I wonder. I, I wonder how sophisticated my own personal rankings are, in fact. Yeah. Well, that's fair to say. I mean, I think, yeah, because it ultimately, you know, the one thing is you have to spend because of the way the, the baseball season and the game itself is constructed. It comes out to like roughly 500 hours per season, right? And so it has to be someone with whom. You, you can, it's someone whom you can endure for that, that length of time. And so that's an important part of it. So I think that if there are broadcasters who, and this is sort of a, th- a hypothetical because I don't know if it really exists, but if there was a broadcaster, for example, who was particularly facile with advanced metrics, but also had like zero charisma as a human, mm-hmm. I don't, I ultimately don't think that that would do particularly well. 
I think, I think, you know, and it's been like the Giants guys, for example, San Francisco Giants. I don't think they employ advanced metrics very often, but, uh, basically everyone, yes, would want to have a beer with them. Um, and that's, and they, you know, they finished second uh, in the rankings because of that. Really, the, the top three that applies to all of them. Finn Scully has been known to cite fan graphs in recent research, but he is not known for that. And the Giants and the Mets broadcasters will incorporate that from time to time, but they're, Definitely not defined by it, but those three teams are kind of in a class of their own in both your current rankings and your previous rankings. They are alone at the top. They are the only ones for whom you would round up to five. Yeah, that's right. Uh, It's funny, though, because there was a bit of conversation, especially this past Tuesday when I posted the complete list. This is in Sam Miller. You you used the word tribalism. Uh, this is very much at play, I think, uh, with regard to these comments of people suggesting that, uh, you know, they're Mets fans who love the Mets broadcast but can't see why anyone could even endure for one second the San Francisco Giants broadcast uh, and similar comments made, uh, except with uh, um, vitriol directed in the, uh, in the, in the direction of the uh, – the Mets broadcast. It doesn't. I don't. It's not as. It's it's very likely that if they were to um, live in the opposite city, they would have the opposite feelings as well. Carson, I saw a tweet by you that uh, gave away your answer to this question. I'm also curious though to hear Ben's answer and for everybody to hear yours, Carson, and for some people to hear mine. Uh, is there a team on here that you have a particular affinity for uh, that uh, maybe out uh, outranks the uh, the readers? Is there anybody that you think is just just not getting their due. Yeah, well, I think it would probably it would probably concern uh, the Chicago White Sox home broadcast now, which is largely the responsibility uh, no longer of Hawk Harrelson, but instead Jason Benetti, uh, still paired with with color broadcaster Steve Stone. Jason Benetti is he's basically has everything. Like he has very much the sort of voice for which you're looking, and he's also he's quite articulate. He uh, has a facility with advanced metrics, but he also is very good at, he's got a great camaraderie with Steve Stone. And so I would say, yeah. And I think that I understand why he placed where he placed is because a lot of people, I think when they see the White Sox broadcast, probably still have the image of Hawk Harrelson in their head, who is mostly doing away broadcasts now. Yeah. And, and Stone, I mean, Stone has been for the last few years, in, in, in a sense, has been Maybe after Mike Trout, uh, the uh, the second most wasted resource in the game. I mean, Stone is really great, and yet, like, I would never ever pick a White Sox. I, I mean, I the 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 worst feeling in in baseball is when you accidentally click uh, home broadcast for <laughs> for a game that the White Sox were hosting, and you're like, ah, now I gotta go redo it. So I hadn't, I didn't even realize the White Sox had a new home broadcast because I would just never. Right. Yeah. And I think that's probably a lot of people want to say, even though, you know, you can, well, of course, you both write for the internet. Frequently, there could be a situation where you qualify a statement over and over. uh, And yet, you know, especially if it's something along the lines of a ranking, and I'm not blaming anyone for this, but they, of course, you know, it's the, uh, the inclination is just to see where the, the thing that you're curious about, where they are ranked, and that's it. And so I think that that's probably what happened. You don't ask respondents to indicate their their team loyalties, right? No, no. I'd be curious. I wonder whether familiarity breeds contempt or I was going to ask that. Yeah, because there's always this there's this uh, rule of thumb in baseball uh, reporting if you cover a team that that they all share that uh, every team thinks their shortstop is a Gold Glove caliber defender 
uh, every fan does, and every fan thinks that their closer is shaky. <laughs> and I'm wondering yeah. if broadcasters, which direction broadcasters go. I do think you're right in the sense that it, there's a tense to there's a tendency to magnify the qualities that the the broadcasters possess. So you know, if you only have to spend, uh, well, so for example, I'm a married person, right? And uh, I love my wife, and my wife loves me. But there are certain things we do which would not bother anyone else in the world, but because we spend so much time together. They're naturally, I mean, we despise each other based on those grounds. Um, and, uh, in a way that, in a way that is beautiful and, and unique because, uh, there's, there, we're not close enough to anyone else to, to be despised in that way. Um, and I think that that's, that's largely, I think that the metaphor holds or the analogy holds for broadcasters because, um, and in fact, a couple, a couple reader respondents did mention it. Some of these, if I had just tuned into this once, it'd be, or you could tune into this broadcaster once and you would, you would be impressed until you realize that it's the same thing every night or something along those lines. Yeah. So I think that there is a tendency to, to have those, uh, even what appear to be rather mundane or innocent qualities magnified to the point that they, uh, they drive you crazy. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Prize necessarily by this because I've uh, been accused of a hot take for this position, but uh, I just really like listening to the Washington Nationals broadcast. I like FP Santangelo, and I mean, I could definitely see him. You know, he'll maybe one or two times a game he'll say something that's a little brash, uh, and I could see maybe being uh, just getting fed up with it. But I I like his cadence a lot. And then this is not really that far off. I mean, you have Tampa Bay number seven. Mm. You, you, you personally, yeah. Carson, running Tampa Bay number seven. And that's obviously very good. I think Tampa Bay's broadcast booth is 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 pretty darn near elite. And I think you could make a case for them being in the in the top tier, the, the true top tier. The true top tier. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I, uh, it probably will not surprise you to learn that uh, both times we've conducted this sort of exercise, Tampa Bay has finished with um, among the fewest votes or fewest mm. ballots cast, yeah. um, which, you know, probably makes it. I mean, the, the both Florida teams are pretty low. It's actually interesting with regard to Tampa Bay because uh, a number of the people who choose to respond relative to where they're ranked, they're ranked seventh overall by this measure. But uh, relative to that ranking, they receive very <laughs> uncharitable responses, where, for example, San Diego ranked 10th, three spots lower, uh, received almost uniformly positive feedback. Um, hmm. So I don't necessarily know how to explain that. And it's also possible that the ratings mean nothing is another is another <laughs> theory I have. <laughs> Although yeah. it does, I think generally speaking, it probably... Um, it passes the uh, it passes the sniff test. There are a yeah. few here and there, high and low, yeah. but uh, you're you know the ones that that your readers have identified as the bottom are, are often the ones that that also drive me crazy. Yeah, I will also submit, uh, and because I'm on the East Coast, I don't watch as many of their games as I might otherwise. But with regard to Los Angeles Dodgers, of course, everyone is familiar with Vin Scully. The readers, the respondents for the Dodgers away games, which are anchored by Joe Davis, play-by-play broadcaster Joe Davis. He, Davis himself, I mean, he works with Garcia Parra and Hershiser, but Davis himself received a lot of praise in, in, in a very similar way that Jason Benetti did. You would think so because he is, what, 27 or 28 or something, and you would think that getting a prominent job like that would be analogous to making the majors at 19 or something. If someone entrusts mm. you with that job, and of course he has done, I think, national broadcasts or at least regional broadcasts for Fox and seems to be much in demand. So you would think that the aging curve for broadcasters, while 
obviously much more forgiving on the downside Mm -hmm. would not be too dissimilar on the front side where if you get this prominent job early on that's probably a good indicator of your potential and longevity yeah can i can i also make one statement about hawk harrelson um is he's caused me to him as a person has caused me to rethink how i might do this again i actually don't believe i would ever attempt to do it like this because it would be very confusing but i think that if you were to create two criteria because it right so with this we i did charisma which is essentially like how likable are they analysis which is to what degree do they provide some sort of doesn't have to be necessarily you know sabermetric sort of analysis just are they you know do they try and remain at the top of their intelligence and then overall, I think if you were to essentially divide the charisma category to two, which was on the one hand, how much personality does this broadcaster exhibit, right? Like what's the volume of his personality? Yeah. Is it is it a sort of bland professional? Is it a, is it like a very strictly professional broadcast? Or do you feel as though it it is avuncular in the way that only uncles can behave, which is they say whatever they want because they're uncles? And so that'd be one rating, like say in a one where like a five is highest volume of that, one is lowest. And then and then the other one to five would be to what degree do you care for that personality? <laughs> or to what degree is that personality likable? The thing I like I actually approve of Hawk Harrelson is his lack of professionalism. Yeah. Uh I actually appreciate it. It the way it manifests itself may not be entirely palatable. Uh, for everybody, certainly some people enjoy it, but I, in some cases, I actually might prefer Harrelson over someone who's be who's a little too careful. That's interesting. I mean, I I see what you mean. That too careful is definitely a flaw, but I don't think that I would want a guy who's at five either. And, I mean, I think there's you you want five for likability, but I think you want like three or four for strength of personality. Other than okay. Kruko, I can't think of an, of any of the sort of cartoon type broadcasters that I care for at all. Mm-hmm. And Kruko is one of the most polarizing of the top tier broadcasters in the sport too. So I can understand that. That's probably true. Generally speaking, I will submit as well. Uh, maybe it was only anecdotal. I haven't actually gone through and parsed it. There did seem to be, there did seem the ratings, if you were to, if you were to, to go about it and look at it regionally, uh, it did seem, they did seem to be higher the further west you went. And I don't, mm. and I wonder if that's also just because people in the further west you go, tend to be more charitable. Uh, I don't know if there's any. I don't know if that's true or not. But the the level of vitriol among the East Coast broadcasters, or maybe there's a greater spread too, because of course New York is at the top. Yeah. So you've you've also got crowdsourced uh, radio rankings coming out in a, yeah. in about two weeks. I don't know how much you have looked uh, in the envelope, but do you do you suppose that there's a high correlation between a uh, fran- a organization's TV broadcast and its radio broadcast, or do you think that these are mainly driven by the uh, sort of great man theory of history? <laughs> um, regarding the latter point, I don't know, uh, but well, probably true. Uh, yes, I don't think there's actually a lot of correlation. Uh, there are certainly instances in which in, in which a club will feature both. For example, people also love the San Francisco Giants radio broadcast with John Miller and Dave Fleming. And the Mets as well are are very good radio broadcasters. That's Josh true. Lewin. And it's a relatively new development, isn't it, with Josh Lewin? Yeah, because I think w- relatively knew. new. And of course, the Dodgers have uh, Vin for their radio, so that's obviously going to correlate. You're right. Yeah, but I think that there are also cases, I think I would cite, for example, and of course, this, this isn't a new in my own taste, but Cleveland, for example, Cleveland's television broadcast did not appear to be beloved, at least by Fangraph's readers. Whereas I think, despite the fact that he does not traffic 
quite uh, very often in uh, sabermetrics, uh, the radio broadcaster for Cleveland is beloved. Maybe it's Tom Hamilton, maybe is his name. Confirm, deny? Tom Hamilton is a broadcaster, for sure. Okay, well, I think that's probably it. It's not Milo Hamilton. Are they related? I don't know that either. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm glad I could be of help. Yeah, chief radio play-by-play for the Indians, yes. Okay. Some clandestine Googling has revealed. Very good. I just did some math, a practice of which you approve. Okay, yeah. And I looked for a correlation between your overall broadcast rating for a team and that team's projected full season winning percentage. Oh, interesting. According to com. Yeah. Would either of you care to hazard a guess as to whether there is a correlation between these two things? Uh, oh, well, so the way you phrase that, see, if, if there was, I feel like you would have said whether it would be a positive or a negative correlation, or at least it's, it's possible. And so now I wonder... I'm it, giving nothing away. Uh, okay. Do I, it's for what for for what? Well, year's looking record? at the rankings now, I can this year's projected. This record. year's projected record. I I would guess that there is a. Oh goodness gracious! Hey hey, can we keep the language? <laughs> we watch the language, buddy. <laughs> I'm gonna say uh, there is a uh, a weak positive correlation. I'm gonna say it's over 0.5. I'm gonna say it's like 0.18. It is closer to Carson. There's actually a positive correlation of 0.45, which wow. I believe is known in the business as moderate bordering on strong. Yeah. So there is quite a tendency for good broadcasters to be broadcasting for good teams, at least in this one season. I don't know whether that applies in every year. And if it is the case, I don't know whether it's the case that good organizations tend to employ both good players and good broadcasters or whether it's because people are happier and have happier positive associations with teams and and broadcast teams that are calling games that that are wins. I would submit the one team perhaps I noticed some uh, change with was Kansas City's television broadcast. Uh Uh-huh. They received a grade, uh, an overall grade of 3.0 last time and of 3.5 this time. And to the best of my knowledge, there was no difference between the personnel. The thing that has changed oh. is that the Royals have made the last two World Series. Yeah, they're probably, probably most broadcasters are more fun when your team is winning. Yeah, and I think that, uh, but of course, a lot of people made the point that what distinguished the Mets television broadcasters is the fact that they made the team bearable while the Mets were playing quite poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, I think you could probably argue without much effort that that was the sign of a good broadcast team. Is one you would essentially be watching, I don't know, for its own sake, but certainly in spite of the quality of the team. So you may need to put out a team results independent broadcaster ranking. Oh, yeah, that sounds like something I won't do. Need is a strong word, (laughs) my friend. I'm sure I don't need anything. You know what I'd like to do? Sleep instead. Yeah, that's what I'd like to do. Uh, So you did solicit comments or you you gave people the opportunity to enter comments as they were rating. So what were the most common complaints and or compliments? Uh, Okay, so like one that I remember concerns the Milwaukee Brewers and... It had to do, because the Brewers actually were quite well acquitted. And part of that is Brian Anderson, who does play-by-play for them. And people recognize it uh, for doing play-by-play for TBS during the playoffs. But um, another thing is they uh, they said with regard to Bill Schroeder, I think mm-hmm. is how you say his name, Bill Schroeder, who's the, the color guy there. They're like, 
Uh, yeah, he just seems to get along with people. He seems nice. And uh, that did seem to be just the ability to exhibit uh, an openness to camaraderie. Just p- being pleasant, actually. Being pleasant seemed to be a comment that seemed to go a long way with readers. Mm-hmm. Which, again, you're talking about, you know, did there seem to, uh, you know, what, what traits might have contributed to the overall scores? Yeah, just an overall sense of pleasantness. Someone you could just bear for that long. Yeah, I um, now I'm trying to figure out who manifests pleasantness. I mean, I think of the Yankees. I ge- I generally like the Yankees broadcast crew quite a bit, and I don't think of them as particularly pleasant. And they are quite low on this. They're surprisingly low, especially because you would think they would have a lot of home voters voting for them. I was surprised to see them at 21. I like them more than that, and uh, they seem like a to me a somewhat acerbic crew. And uh, I think of Toronto as being a, a very unpleasant crew, a very critical crew, and uh, they're also quite low. I might be wrong about both of those things, though. I might be completely wrong about their pleasantness. Yeah, you could. Yep. I, it's I, impossible I, I, to say. <laughs> <laughs> I also think you... Well, the comment with regard to Toronto, which did, they did not rank particularly highly, was that people had a sense that... Well, this actually, it's twofold, I think. People had a sense that it was too... Essentially, two color analysts in one in a single booth without a real play-by-play guy. And mm. the other one is that it's possible that they have been spoiled, Toronto uh, fans, by periodic appearances now by Dan Schulman, mm. uh, who works for ESPN. And he was, I would say, he was universally praised by respondents for the Toronto Blue Jays. So perhaps they've been spoiled to some degree by his periodic appearances. I think he's only doing like twenty or thirty games this year or so. Yeah, the yeah uh, the uh, the occasional broadcaster is is a confounding variable that it's hard to know what to do. Like for instance, Boston, I like Boston's crew, but when Eck is on, that might be my favorite, my single mm-hmm. favorite broadcast booth. But and so I, you know, it's not nothing against Remy, but when I turn it on, I'm hoping it's not him. Yeah, and uh, and so Remy, so there's a couple things going on with Boston too. You mentioned Eck, we get to him in a second. Remy, I think is. He is sort of like a human manifestation of the city of Boston. And a lot of people don't like Boston <laughs> as a place, especially people who aren't from Boston. Yeah. Um, whereas people from Boston like like Boston typically. Uh, yeah. And so if you don't like Boston, then it's a strong chance you do not like, you do not care for the way Jerry Remy participates in those, in those games. There's some suggestion among readers, maybe that even in the, or that from what they sensed in the early going, that the, installation of Dave O'Brien as the play-by-play commentator there maybe re-adjusted uh, Remy's approach to the game because, you know, he maybe had grown too comfortable was a comment I had seen. Mm. I don't, you know, I don't have any comments on that, but that was one. Certainly Jerry Remy, he's got, he has a crazy accent and he's a silly man and that's, <laughs> it's understandable. Eck, Eck is, uh, was regarded, was described as a wild card on more than one occasion, I think. And I think he's dropped... Um, a collection of F-bombs. He's scattered them throughout broadcasts. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I've i recorded a few of them and posted them on the internet. Yeah, I think that that should definitely be allowed. I think so. <laughs> so like one, I think one great thing that MLB Network has done this year, right, is to give you this MLB Plus broadcast, you know, yeah. where you can hear, for example, uh, Fangraphs alumnus Mike Petriello along with Fernando Perez, 
and occasionally uh, who else? Um, um, Will Leach, I believe. Will Leach, yes. Will Leach stops by. I think it's a great idea because, and if we see this too with a way that maybe what the Super Bowl is broadcast, where you can see like the coaches talking about the game during during the course of it. I think the alternate broadcast, uh, provided the overhead is not too high, is a great idea. And having just a filthy mouthed, like to have Bill Burr watch a Red Sox game, for example, and just talk about whatever he wants to talk about. You get three hours of Bill Burr content, and uh, it's probably, you know, he says terrible things, I'm sure. But I think there's a market for that. I would be satisfied with uh, Carson Sestouli and Dane Perry. I, uh, well. So, hey, let me, let me, uh, let me ask you one last question. Ben might ask you one last question. I don't know. But, uh, you have a comment, uh, from a fellow named Rounders, uh, under this, who says the industry is in sad shape in response to, uh, somebody saying, wow, if this team is this high, the, the, then I guess the industry must be in sad shape. And Rounders says the industry is in sad shape. <laughs> the only model which develops talent is the solo model without a net. The buddy system covers for a lack of talent and guarantees you won't develop any. You did this four years ago, whatever. You did it now. You've paid mm -hmm. more attention to these broadcasts than the average uh, bear. How is the industry? Uh, I think it's probably improved slightly in the meantime. And again, in terms of the industry as it relates to to bespectacled little guys like us who want to watch the game a particular way, um, I think it's probably improved a little bit. Um, but... Uh, yeah, as for the rest of that comment, I don't know. Um, I don't know if the solo model is the ideal one. I also don't necessarily know how people would learn. Again, I do think, actually, I've only, I'm really just s saying this for the first time now. I actually do think that offering multiple broadcasts might have some merit to it. I don't know how that works on a logistical level, but I don't claim to know anything. So I think that's fair. Well, yeah, when you turn on, I mean, if you're working through MLB TV, you get, you have what, four options in most games, right? Because you right, can yeah, yeah, yeah. do the radio broadcast and you've got home and away. So if you can't find one out of the four that you, you like and, uh, and, you know, mute is an option. So one out of the five, you know, you might just be too picky. I will also submit that I actually, I was positive that I would prefer natural park sounds over, like, if, if you have a situation, say it's like the four lowest ranked teams. And uh, I, well, I was surprised to find that I did not care for it as much as I would have supposed. Mm. Um, I, there was the desire, and it's possible that many people will disagree with me, but just the desire to have someone constructing the narrative for you as you're watching the game. Apparently, that drive is quite high. That's, that's what I learned. Yeah. I've been trying for some time to convince MLB Advanced Media to share MLB TV data with me. Mm -hmm. so that I could do what you're attempting to do here in a, a different sort of quantitative way, where I could actually look at which broadcast teams people prefer or which they vote for their preferences with their clicks and their selections of certain broadcast feeds. But thus far, that has not gone anywhere. <laughs> but they seem interested in the idea, but it hasn't quite come to fruition yet. So I did have one last question. It's really more like a comment, but there are some cases here where the ratings for charisma and analysis do not quite match up with the overall rating, and they're not necessarily intended to. The overall rating is independent of those other sub-ratings. But I wonder what accounts for the differences in the cases where there are differences, and I wonder whether the producer is sort of the unseen, unacknowledged quantity here that can can skew a rating one way or another. Because yeah. a, a good producer can step on a good broadcaster and 
interrupt that broadcaster's point and disrupt the flow and another producer could maybe tee up a broadcaster well and have the replay ready when that person has something to say and maybe that makes a bigger difference than we traditionally think i think oh yeah it's very true and and um in fact i became more aware of that this time through than last time i think people uh, there were a couple of respondents, in particular with regard to the Rockies broadcast. Although I, I, I don't, it's not my intention to single them out. I just happened to remember the comment. Something to the effect that the broadcast was too busy, essentially. That there were, yeah. you know, there was con- there was constant interaction with social media, constant reminders of various promotions. That one got the sense that it was, you know, like a running advertisement for the club, and there was sort of like a saccharine enthusiasm that that can occur when that happens. And I think that, for example, growing up in New England and going to Red Sox games, that was one of the pleasant things about going to their games is there was no, there wasn't really any music, there was no, you know, there were no other events except for the game, and so um, you did not get that sense that that the team was desperate to entertain you, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that 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 exact same feeling. Both sides of it can come through during a broadcast, and yeah. definitely, you know, whether it's up to the producer specifically, or whether it's maybe mandated by the network slash club itself, that sense of attempting to court enthusiasm for the team ultimately can can leave a bad taste in one's mouth. Yeah. Well, if you ever decide to redo this exercise and make it needlessly complex, you could add a a production rating too. I've had lots of notes for you today on ways that you could make this exercise (laughs) less pleasant for you. (laughs) Yeah. It seems like like it would take a lot longer. (laughs) Also, I think that my guess is that the the production ratings, I don't know this for a fact, but they would be be much less widely distributed. They would be less widely distributed. Yes. Honestly, I don't know the difference for most of them between a good and bad one. Can you think of any particular examples? Hmm. Yeah, see? Yeah. <laughs> no. Miller, are there. you still there, Miller? Nope. I, okay. uh, I've, I'm composing a tweet, and I had you on mute. <laughs> okay. What's your, what's your tweet say? Uh, I'm praising John Chenier for the article he wrote at Baseball Perspective today and for his uh, existence. Okay, that seems fair. I mean, you're what? You're what? editor, publisher? Editor. Yeah, that seems good. That's your kind of responsibility, right? Yeah. He's like the Rockies broadcast over here. Yeah. Is it, I don't know what that reference is. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. Well, guess what? You can hear it later on your own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you can find Carson on Twitter at Sestuli. You can find him at Fangrass, writing and podcasting regularly. If you want to participate in his radio broadcast ratings, you can do so soon. And if you want to examine his television rankings, then we will link to them and you can click on those links and see them. Carson, you have fulfilled the obligation that you <laughs> didn't actually have. I guess once you, once you agreed to join us, you were obligated to do so. Yeah. But but before that point, you had no obligation. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That's it for today. You can support the podcast on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash effectively wild. Today's five Patreon supporters are Justin Fitterman, Kanan Christ, Chris Strovell, Guy Tabachnik, and Nathan Tuttle. Thank you. You can also buy our book, The Only Rule Is It Has to Work, our wild experiment building a new kind of baseball team. book has been out for over three weeks now and is still the best-selling baseball book on Amazon with well over 100 reviews. We thank you and we hope that you will help us sustain that success. So if you haven't bought the book yet, go to theonlyruleisithastowork.com. You can see all the options for purchasing and you can read reviews and excerpts and interviews. 
as well as checking out photos and videos and stats after you finish the story. Please do leave us a review on Amazon and or Goodreads when you are finished. And I will be selling and signing books at the Baseball Prospectus Night at City Field on July 9th, which you can also buy tickets to now. I'll be there with a bunch of Baseball Prospectus writers. There will be a panel with us. There will be another panel with Mets for an Office members. For $85, you get access to that event as well as a ticket to City Field to watch the Mets play the Nationals that day. So it'll be a big game. You also get a discount on a Baseball Prospectus subscription. And if this is anything like previous events BP has done at City Field, it will sell out. So reserve your ticket now. If you go to BaseballProspectus.com, you'll see a link in the blog section, but I will also link to it in the podcast post at BP as well as in the Facebook group. Hope to see you there. You can join our Facebook group at Facebook.com slash groups slash Effectively Wild, and you can rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription to the Play Index by using the coupon code BP at BaseballReference.com. Send us emails at podcast at BaseballProspectus.com or by messaging us through Patreon. We will be back with one more show this week tomorrow. I continue to play play by play and I can continue to spit my manuscript and say what I want to say and I do it to you every day. You know what? You know what? I have the same off the air as on the air.